Hi everyone and welcome. This is the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast and I'm your host, Coach Brad. This podcast is about all things related to love, life, health, and the pursuit of happiness. Every week, I'll interview a different guest who is setting a new standard and redefining what it means to get the most out of life. With that, let's get started. Okay, welcome again, everybody. As always, it's so, so good to have you here. This is Coach Brad, and this is another awesome, awesome, awesome episode of the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast. And, you know, I, I, I don't think I'll ever get tired of saying this. I am truly blessed to be able to host this podcast and just have amazing, amazing guests, you know, every week on, on the podcast. And this week is absolutely no exception. Uh, with me today, I've got David Edwards, who's coming to us from the from mild stomping ground, the Pacific Northwest up in uh, Spokane, Washington. Uh, David went through, uh, I'll just use the word epiphany, uh, which, which literally changed his life, which led him to write a book. And the name of his book is New You Who Knew, Surprising Foundations to Get More Done, Feel More Connected, and Stay Balanced in a Rapidly Changing World. David, welcome to the podcast. Brad, it's a thrill to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I, I read this title and I read what was on your profile and I'm like, this is such a perfect match. You're what this podcast is about, about kind of defining where you're at in your life and going from point A to point B. And in your book, you offer a ton of, of skills and tools exactly how to do that. So, so David, let's go back to the beginning. You had this epiphany. What was this epiphany and, and how did it lead to this life that you're doing now and to being here on this podcast? Well, I was the CEO of a rural federally qualified health center or a community health center. And <clears throat> we were building a new building. We had, we'd come a long ways over the last four or five years. Um, and you know, we had good quality, we had good outcomes, we had good people, and we were blessed to have the opportunity because we'd kind of outgrown our physical plant to build a new building. And so as we're designing this, you know, our goal was to say, we're going to spend $16 million to build this new health center. It's going to be twice the size of the old one. If we just build a typical standard run-of-the-mill health center, then what a waste, right? We have an opportunity. And in business school, okay. we study, you know, opportunity cost, right? And okay. so and so the idea was how do we do this in a way that's truly gonna make a, a, a big impact? It's gonna make a big difference. Okay. And our model, our clinical care model was built around you, the patient. So if you, Brad, were a patient at our health center, you are expected to be the captain of the care team. And a lot of people are a little uncomfortable with that because they're used to going to the doctor and the doctor pokes some prods, right? And then they pat you on the head and they say, go do what I told you to do and then you'll be a good patient. Does that sound kind of familiar? It, for, I've worked a little bit in healthcare. It does actually, yeah. And so what but then we wanted, real quick, we, I was going to say real quick, we say be a good patient, but then we know that doesn't happen a lot of times. <laughs> well, exactly. And if you just do the math, right? If you go in every six months for 
you know, literally you're going to see your medical provider for five or 10 minutes, most likely. Mm -hmm. Maybe it took an hour out of your day, but that means all of the rest of that six months, you are on your own and you've got to, you know, keep up with yourself. You've got to be healthy on your own. And so I realized that this was my first wow, my epiphany was that while we're putting a lot of time and energy into design and staffing in our care model, which was all good, right? Those are all mm -hmm. good things. Mm -hmm. If we couldn't help the patient to actually fulfill that role, to be the captain of the care team, then we were going to dramatically limit our effectiveness. And that wasn't the goal, right? We wanted to be dramatically more effective. And so that was the first. And so I started saying, well, what is it? What are the skills? You know, what are the tools that a person would need to do that? Um, and, and my second wow, I guess, or my second epiphany really was as I was studying change models. In psychology, for example, there are a number of different change models. There are theories around how human beings change, which, frankly, that's really the key to life. I mean, to a successful, I love this, you know, happy, healthy, uh, oh, shoot, I missed your thing. Anyways, you know, your podcast, Eat happy, healthy, now. and and a mm -hmm. little bit of ice cream. I love ice cream. So I have to have just a little bit on the weekend. I can't have ice cream during the week. <laughs> but anyway, and so um, that, as I studied these change models, I realized that at the core of every single one of them was personal motivation or intrinsic motivation. So as fun as it might be to go watch Tony Robbins, you know, run up no. and down and, you know, jump up and down and yell into the mic, you know, rah, rah, rah. Stand up, make right? the move, uh, say yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, or, you know, any of that kind of thing, which is fine. And then this is fine. All of that is good. But that is outside, you know, by definition, it's outside motivation. It's external. Um, if you are at work and you're in a position where you might get a bonus, if you do certain things, right? I mean, that can be a very powerful motivator, but it's still external. And that kind of motivation leads very often into what I call imbalance. You know, you focus on that one thing so much that you ignore all the other domains of life in order to accomplish that amazing external kind of motivation. So it can be very, very powerful, but it's powerful in a way that is out of whack. And it has all kinds of negative repercussions on us as human beings and the way that we all work as human beings. And so as I started studying this, and so what is personal motivation, right? What is What are the components of it? And what are the skills that contribute to it? And I really spent about two years after being fired from my job. Okay. <laughs> I that didn't do blessing, anything like, terrible, but <laughs> I, had a, I had a disagreement with my board of directors and I lost that argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Let me real quick. You're you're hitting on something that is so key. This idea of an extrinsic motivation, which I think ninety 
plus percent, I'll even go as high as 98, 99% of the population on this planet is trying to live by, you know, as an example, you know, I want to lose weight so I can fit into a certain size dress or something or a certain size pair of pants, an extrinsic motivator. But you've hit on a key here. And a lot of people ask, how can I have a better life? How can I have a healthier life? How can I have a, you know, a life more full of love and joy and purpose? You're hitting on a key here, this idea of personal motivation, what you're calling intrinsic motivation. So again, you wrote about this in your book, but can you give us some more insights? What did you discover here, this intrinsic motivation, some of these skills that you wrote about? So then one of the first things, and this surprised me because I've always been a person who felt like values were important, mm -hmm. right? Living by your values. But as I studied these, you know, various elements or components or skills or principles, I like to think of them as principles because they're enduring. And as I got into this, they were, people talked about, Socrates talked about them, you know, 3,500 years ago. And we'll be talking about them 3,500 years from now because it's just how we work. So as we talk about these principles and we think about, well, do I want to bother, right? Do I align my life with this principle or not? Think of it like gravity. It's not something that David invented or, you know, Brad discovered or right. you know, whatever. It's just the way we work. It's just like if I take my pencil and I let go of it, you know, it's not as dramatic as a mic drop, but gravity makes it go down. And it's just how people work. And so the first principle, and they tend to build on each other like stair steps. So the first principle is your values. And I say yours specifically because I'm speaking to the audience who's listening or watching this. It's not David's values and it's not Brad's values. And we may talk about our values and we may think they're really important. And frankly, they really are. But what really matters here is you and your personal values and making them explicit. And when I say explicit, it's kind of a, a three-step process. Okay. The first thing I think you need to do is take a list of values like you can find on my website. I have a, under forums, I have a list of values and I've gone through and pulled out from a number of different sources. I think it's about 117 common values. And what I ask you to do, the first step is to go through the list and figure out what your top 10 are, right? So you gotta limit this because if you say, yeah, I have my top 27 values. Well, That's a lot. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, and I can't keep track of 27. Uh, yeah, I can't either. <laughs> I have a hard time track, keeping track of 10 things. And frankly, what I'm gonna ask you to do once you've got this boiled down to 10 is to cut that in half. And for you to come up with on your own, and this isn't your parents, this isn't your boss, this isn't your kids or your friends or whatever, you personally, what are your top five core values? And then I'm going to ask you to make them explicit. And when I say that, what I mean is you want to describe what that value means to you. So for example, one of my core five core values is transparency. I decided a long time ago that I don't have any time for people who tell me one thing and then they tell somebody else about the same thing, something completely different. That kind of duplicity that I don't have any place for that in my life. And I'm not smart enough to remember two stories, right? If I told Brad one thing and Mary something else, 
which one did I tell which? I mean, I lose track of that stuff. We, we and all so, did, yeah. <laughs> and so for me, that was really important. So I defined what that looks like, right? And then I told, I tried to describe to myself, why is my life better off, right? So I avoid confusion. I avoid fuzzy thinking. I avoid embarrassment because of that value. So you describe what that means in your life. And so this is the process of making your values explicit. The power of this, when I actually dug into the research, is amazing. It contributes to your sense of well-being. So that's a sense that my life is okay. You know, my life is on track. It contributes to your health, just the sense of health. It contributes to meaning. So you feel like your life has more meaning because you have these values that you've identified and you've created this process that encourages you to live those values on a day-to-day -day basis. And that gives you a sense of meaning, which is this internal you exuding out power. And it doesn't rely on your friends telling you that it's the right thing to do or it's okay or it's not okay because it's intrinsic. It comes from inside of you. Nobody can take it away from you, right? It can never be fired. It can never be diminished. It can't be sold off. It's yours. You own it. And so it's really powerful in that way. You're, you're hitting on some key elements, uh, David. And for anyone listening, what David is really tapping into is this idea that change comes from within, uh, that the key to what this, one of the things this podcast is all about, long-term health sustainability, is, is looking within and tapping into those inner resources. And David, you're saying it starts with this idea of identifying your values, five key core values. Um, for, for anyone listening, I, I would definitely recommend David's book. You can go to his website, davidredwards.com, and just order the, the book right off the website there. Uh, let me go back something you said earlier, David, this idea of being the captain of your own ship. I, I can interpret that for myself, but if you could put that in a little bit easier terms, uh, because that is such an important concept that I think so many on this journey of life are overlooking. What does it mean exactly to be the captain of your own ship? What it means is that, I got to think about how I want to describe this. I think about it. So we talked about change models. There's two kinds of change. There's this, what we were just talking about, which is internal change, mm -hmm. which is the, me being responsible really and accountable for who I am becoming or who I'm not becoming, right? That sense of personal responsibility. So we have opportunity, right? Which is I can do, I have a range of choices. And that's great. We have this freedom. But part and parcel with freedom is this sense of responsibility about who I am becoming. And I think that's really critical and the most important thing. And the that's second huge. part of that is external change. And I use the stemple because I've been around for a couple of decades now or six. <laughs> and when I was younger, when my wife and I first got married 36 years ago now, and we bought our first VCR, you know, and some of you might not, I have some younger people, I was on a podcast and they have never heard of a VCR. <laughs> but we used to get movies on a videotape, a big cassette, mm -hmm. and you would stick it in the VCR and you would watch your movies. 
and you could buy blank ones. And I was very proud of myself because I learned how to set my machine so that I could record a show I wanted to watch. Maybe I can't remember even what the TV shows were back then. You know, the A team on oh, yeah. when I was, you know, doing something else. And then I could come home and I could watch that episode of the A team. And today, of course, that's completely irrelevant. So we have two kinds of change. You need to keep up with this external change because if you don't, you lose freedom, right? You lose the capacity to direct your own life. We can think of this as personal leadership. So when we think of like the captain of the ship, I'm not talking about flogging yourself, you know, when you mess up. I'm talking about having the power, the freedom, and the tools to be in charge of your own life yeah. and to lead your life in the direction that you want it to go, not the way the advertisers tell you, you know, these ridiculous dreams. They want you all to own a Mercedes and to vacation in Tahiti six months a year and, you know, to whatever. You know, it's always about this external stuff. And yet the greatest journey in life is what goes on in between our own years. Even in our own heart, perhaps some would say. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, this this idea, yeah, I'm just, I'm completely in, enthralled or I don't know what the word is, just super excited about this idea of intrinsic motivation because this really is the key to it all. Uh, David, your book talks about three things, uh, self-efficacy, uh, belief, and self-kindness. There's a lot of people who are on this journey that you know, even myself in part, you know, throughout my journey have suffered from low self-esteem. I've been really hard on ourselves. We, we tell ourselves something, but we don't believe it. How does your book address this and can, can help people with this idea of self-worth and self-esteem? Because that's huge in our, not just our country, but on our planet today, actually. It is huge, isn't it? So to me, it's all about balance, right? There's this balance of being a person who's able to on a foundation, I guess the root, I like to think of a natural metaphor. Okay. So we live in an, in an industrial society, right? And we have for a few centuries now. And we don't even think about it. There's this old saying, they say that fish, fish are the last to discover water. Mm. Right? So we don't, okay. we don't even think about this environment. It's all around us. We don't think about it. It's just there. And so we are in this industrial metaphor and we talk about machine parts and fitting in and we're driving this and we're making that happen, right? And so we forget in that regard that we are human beings, we're not machines. We're actually a part of nature. So if you think about nature, everything starts small. And so as you think about your life and your progress in life, whatever's happened in the past, which is past and you can't change, right? But we're thinking about how do we move forward? It's really wise to start small, just like nature does. And that first foundation, that's why the first chapter of the book is your values. And then we build on that with some efficacy, which is about being effective, being the executive in your life, right? And those skills. And then I'm getting a long-winded way to get it. You're, you're, no you're worries, about, no worries. We got plenty of time. It's the balance to that effectiveness, right? So build on that foundation of values. You've got effectiveness. But the other side of that, you might think of as esteem. 
But self-esteem that is most effective, according to the research, is based upon three core principles. Okay. The first of those is your self-kindness. So you were talking about this proclivity that we have and maybe how we were raised, right? You just screwed up and so you beat yourself up and people, you know, maybe your parents told you that was dumb and why do you do dumb things? Whatever our history is, right? We, many of us learn that if I do something wrong, I should beat myself up. And sometimes that lingers for a long time. We ruminate on it, right? We think about it and we ruminate on it. And what that does is it lessens your capacity to actually learn from and improve on that mistake. So you're beating yourself up for a mistake. And in the process of beating yourself up, you actually reduce your ability to overcome and work to do better the next time. And so the very first, then, yeah, exactly. So the first principle that balances this is this idea of self-kindness. And Dr. Kristen Neff is the, the preeminent researcher in this area. She calls it self-compassion. And this first principle is about being kind to yourself like you would be to a close friend. Can you imagine if a close friend messed up and, you know, you're talking to them and they said, yeah, God, I did this. I can't even believe it. I'm such an idiot. And of course, you're going to say, well, you are an idiot. What a moron. Why did you do that? I mean, that's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever seen. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm going to defriend you now. You know, <laughs> sure. of course, we don't do that. Right. That's not how we treat a close friend, because we know that that in some way is not going to help them. So why would we do that to ourselves? Does that make sense? It makes total sense, but we do do it to ourselves. It's it's crazy. We do beat ourselves. I'm I'm a health coach, and I'm guilty of that too. There's been times I've caught myself beating up. Uh, the other the other one you talk about belief. I know that's one I've even struggled with. Is this idea of believing in ourselves? What 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 are your thoughts on that? So belief. I think of belief as a framework. Like if you've ever been camping, if you go out in a tent. Oh, yeah right? So the tent is just a sack, right? It, and it's not useful for anything as a sack <laughs> because you're not going to crawl into the sack and, you know, just have the tent laying on you. You have a frame and the frame serves to hold up and provide shape to the tent. And the same thing for a house, right? If you live in a house, you've got frames. I mean, you've got studs and you've got frame built around it. And then you put the shell and the roof on it and you've got a house and it keeps the weather out and keeps the warmth in or the cold in, you know, as we get into summer. Um, and so what belief provides for you is a frame. And the stronger your belief, the stronger your frame. And it's a key to your resilience and your perseverance. And so. I guess, does that make sense so far when we think about belief? It does, it does. How can someone, and, and I haven't read that section of your book, but how can someone increase their belief in themselves then, I guess? I think, I think the, the key way, I think it's important to recognize it as a principle, right? So this, there's this old saying that says, if you believe you can do it, then you can, and if you don't believe you can do it, then you can't, right? Mm -hmm. 
So there's this sense of, it, you can think of it like faith, right? So for me, when I think about belief or faith, it's the idea that I think this is possible. You have to believe that it's possible. But then that belief has to be motivating enough that you take action. Because that belief without some action is wishful thinking. Right. right? Well, so, so you have to start with a little bit of belief. And I think if we go back to some of the earlier principles, I think the third principle is learning. Because mm -hmm. belief is implicit. It's built into all of these earlier principles. So if we think about learning, maybe um, if you've ever cooked as an example, and I don't know, as a younger person, everybody I know has done this. When you're first learning to make a recipe, you um, put a big tea of salt in the recipe instead of the little tea of salt, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so then you've ruined, you've ruined it, right? Because when you put a big tea of salt in it, you know, that's three times as much as the little tea and it doesn't taste right anymore, right? <laughs> and if you... Yeah. And if you've done that, then you have learned from something, right? And you then begin to have a belief that you can learn and that you can change. Because what happens is a lot of times is we think, yeah, I can't change, right? We lose this belief in ourselves, And so the second principle is self-awareness and feedback. And so, again, looking at the frame of belief, which I put as the seventh principle, because it is spread throughout all of the others, it, it, and the, uh, the fact of applying those earlier principles builds your belief. So you start to go through, when you have self-awareness, you say, I made this mistake, and I'm aware that I have this belief that I can't overcome this certain thing. Like, I can't get up in the morning in time to go out and do my walk or my run or whatever it is that you want to do. And you have this belief when you focus on principles and you start taking steps, to increase self-awareness and look at feedback that comes back to you. What that does is the process of doing that. And I offer several simple examples of ways to do it. You start to reinforce your belief right you slowly but surely you build up the belief that oh i can do this i have learned from other things you can think about if you're beating yourself up and you're thinking like i'm a failure you're losing that belief in yourself you just have to think back far enough and wide enough to say but wait a minute here's something similar that i did do what did i learn from that and you and so you use these prior principles of self-awareness and feedback. And I encourage you to develop this healthy relationship to feedback. And that's going to increase your belief or your faith in yourself. And then you look at learning and say, what have I learned from things? So I, I can learn. I mean, have you ever taken a test? Even if you go back to high school or college and maybe you got a chance to retake it, right? Did you get a better score? Right. If it was the exact same test, usually the teacher would change it. <laughs> right. They would. But maybe didn't you still do a little bit better because you buckled down and you studied. And so you knew the material better. 
I, I sure, sure. Yeah. Like, like kind of, you know, you, you learn from your experiences. Yeah. Exactly. So you learn from it. And so they, this builds belief mm. and it may start very small, right? If you've really spent a lot of time beating yourself up and kind of losing that faith or that belief in yourself, then you have to go back and look at these experiences. It, it reinforces the idea that, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I've had these problems, but I am capable of. So I start to build this faith in myself and I've got these examples. And then you start to build on that. And so you start small because, again, all things in nature start small. You don't say, I'm going to run a marathon next week. If you haven't even been out walking, you're getting your 10,000 steps in, right? <laughs> so... I was going to say, ideally, yes, but I've known some crazy people who, who have actually just gone out and run a marathon, but then they regretted it because they couldn't walk for a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. So they're not in balance anymore. Yeah, right? they're, they're not, not in balance at all. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've got to build that slow. And so if we look at belief, we build belief in small steps. You take little steps. And so like, for example, myself, if we're talking, I mean, you talk about going from couch, you know, to healthy, mm -hmm. right? And so I found myself researching all the time. I wasn't getting out and doing anything. And since I was working from home, I put on 20 pounds. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and I just wasn't, you know, I was so focused on what I was doing. I was out of balance. And so I realized that I had to do something. And so I, I have a watch and I set my watch and I said, I want to do 6,000 steps a day. And, and I watched it, you know, and some days I didn't. And I, and I encourage this pattern of I am, am intentional in the morning, which is the third, no, second, third principle or fourth. See, I get them all confused myself. It's, Four, it's your fourth one. I got them written down right here. There you go. Fourth principle, it's, the, yeah. it's the fourth principle, right? So my intent is to get up and to plan to walk 6,000 steps today. That is my intent. And at the end of the day, I'm accountable to my intent. Right. And I say, so did I do it? And it's really easy. This one's simple, right? I look at my watch and did I get 6,000 or not? And there's no cheating on it. I mean, and it's, and, and if I didn't get it, I could spend time beating on my beating up on myself. Right. Or I could say that was my intent. I didn't accomplish it. What did I accomplish? Did I get 5,800 steps? You know, um, did I get 2000 steps? I mean, you know, and you look at it, you think about it, and you say, what did I learn? What could I have done different today to get my 6,000 steps in? And then you think about it, and you say, tomorrow, I'm going to be different. So you get up in the morning, you say, this is what I learned yesterday. What's my intent? It's to get 6,000 steps in. And you go through your day, you learn from what happened before, and hopefully, you know, you made it. You got, yay, 6,000. And, and then what happens is when I'm getting 6,000 consistently, and that doesn't mean I never miss a day. That's just ridiculous. Human beings, we're not machines. But most of the days, right, I got my 6,000. And then I go, you know what? That's good, but I don't think it's enough. I'm going to build on that. So now I'm going to do 8,000 steps. And I change my goal. I mean, as a coach, I'm sure you, you do this with people all the time. But what you're doing in this process is you're using these earlier principles, all built on the foundation of your values, which is the seeds of your internal motivation to learn, to be the captain of your life, say, this is my intent. It's not something else or something else or what this guy says to me or what the donut place wants me to do. 
I build on these principles, which builds my belief, my faith in myself. And that framework gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And over time, like now I'm working on 15,000 steps a day. And that's my goal. That's a lot. And so we'll yeah, check back, we'll check back with you in a couple months, see how you're doing on that. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. But it's, and I don't make that every day because for me, that's a little bit of a stretch. But I didn't go from 6,000 steps to 15,000 steps, right? I mean, that's, that's silly. And, and that's going to lead you to failure. So you take small incremental steps, you learn, you reinforce your intent, and you build that faith in your belief. You put in balance. You're kind to yourself. You recognize that you're part of a common humanity, which is the ninth principle. I'm not the only person struggling with this, right? I can pe use people like Coach Brad who can help me, right, and help reinforce. And sometimes that external motivation can be just the little extra that you need to build on and reinforce your own. But you see, you don't do it because Coach Brad told you to. You do it because you're directing your own life. You are the captain, if you will. You are the leader of your own life. And that's the direction you want to go. And you're bringing in the tools and resources you need to do that internal and external because they're both there. They're both valid. They're both helpful in order to move you along in the where you want to be. And then the final principle, I call it mindlessness. Yeah, what is that? I wasn't able to read about that one. What is that? So you and I and everybody listening, think about this now, we're born with a mind, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. So being mindless cannot possibly mean that I don't have a mind. So it must have to do with what am I doing with my mind? Scientists tell us that our human brain with its trillions of connections is the most complicated, amazing creation in the entire universe. Our simple brain. Mm -hmm. But we don't use it the way that we could and the way that we should. And so when people talk about mindfulness, we have all of these barriers that get thrown up. Oh my God, I've got to burn incense and wear yoga pants. Or, you know, wh whatever, you know, I, I watched a Dr. Phil interview and he says, yeah, whenever I talk about mindfulness, I can see people going, woo, 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 you know, that guy's crazy. And so it, I want to avoid all of those kind of biases, you know, that we have against, oh, I have to learn to meditate and go to Tibet or something. No. All we're talking about when we're talking about being mindful is the fact that you use this most amazing creation in the universe in a thoughtful way. And you try to live your life in a way that you're engaging with, especially your prefrontal cortex on a regular basis every day. And going through the prior nine steps is frankly one of the key ways that you will do that. And what happens over time is just like muscle, you know, we build muscle by exercising it. We build connections in our brain by exercising our brain. And it's exactly the same way. And what it does is it builds and research tells us this can happen amazingly rapidly. And I'm going to dribble on and I better watch out because I think we're getting close on time. But anyways, so we use, we use our brain in a thoughtful way. So we be mindful, 
which really is about using your brain and avoiding judgment, right? Oh, judgment yeah. is, is where we start to say, I, I didn't walk, I didn't get my steps in yesterday. Um, and then I start to feel badly about myself, right? And I judge myself. And I say, well, you know, you're just a lazy guy. I mean, right? And when we use yeah, judgment of like self-guidance, yeah, we start to beat up on ourselves again. Yeah, exactly. And so what happens then is when you do that, I, I totally lost my train of thought. Anyways, it's not healthy and it doesn't move you forward, right? And so you want to catch yourself in that. And then you apply that other principle, which is self-kindness. Let, let me let me jump in. So again, the book is New You Who Knew. Uh, David, he can be found at his website, davidredwards.com. You can get the book there. Let me kind of say for anyone listening, if, if you're looking for a roadmap, literally how to get from point A to point B, you know, you talked about metaphors earlier, David, I used the metaphor of a map, you know, you want to go from, you know, Oklahoma to Washington, you would get out your map or you would follow your GPS, it'll take you from point A to point B. This is a book, New You Who Knew, davidredwards.com. It gives you 10 specific skills that you can learn that will take you from point A to point B in your life. And what I like about this so much, I know we are starting to, to wrap out of time, but I got a couple more things I want to ask you. Uh, the central theme to this book, which I really, really want to get across to anyone listening, is this idea that you are the captain of your life, that it's not extrinsic, it is intrinsic. You take control of your life when you go internally, and you use these 10 principles that David talks about in his book, again, Knew You Who Knew, uh, to do just that, and you can learn to take control of your life, get from point A to point B, and not just get there, but have it be sustainable so that you don't fall all the way back down again uh, to point A, which he even talks about uh, in part of his book too, about relapsing and, and things of that nature. But uh, David, one other question I did want to ask, this is from your profile. I thought this was interesting. You said, you have to be rich and famous to get ahead, or do you? And the question I wanted to ask you from, from your book and, and all your research that you've done is what does it mean to get ahead in life? What exactly does that mean? I'm, I'm getting ahead in life. What, what's your definition of that? To me, the definition is the same as success. Okay, what's what's your definition of success? Is that you, and I stole this, so I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I okay. didn't invent this. So there was an, he's, he's passed on years ago now, but there was the old radio host, and he would, did a lot of motivational kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Earl Nightingale, I don't know if you've ever heard of Earl Nightingale. I've heard that name, yeah. Yeah, and so he had this, I love this, so in one of his cassette tapes I listened to, mm -hmm. he said he defines success. And so I've borrowed it from him. I learned from him. He said, it is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. And so for me, this sense of success, that sense, you know, what you're talking about is, am I making progress on my goals, on my journey in life? And, and it's not just what you're doing. It's not just what you're accomplishing. It is absolutely as much, and perhaps more so, who are you becoming? becoming yeah. Right? That's and that the, is success. Yeah, that's one of the keys of life that I tell people too. It's not what you do so much as who you are becoming in the process of doing what you are doing. Yeah. 
Uh, David, we've talked about a ton. Again, the book is New You, Who Knew? Surprising Foundations to Get More Done, Feel More Connected, and Stay Balanced in a Rapidly Changing World. I'm in the process of reading it right now. I'm going to finish it up. Again, if you want to get this book, go to davidredwards.com. David, we are starting to get short on time here, unfortunately. I, I, this always happens. I could go on for another hour with you here. Uh, <laughs> but is there is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? I mean, you said a ton already, but is there anything else you'd like to say that you that you haven't touched on already any final uh, parting words yeah i'll just reinforce something i'll ask each of your listeners to do a little exercise just for yucks just for fun okay get out a piece of paper or get out your phone or however you like to work and write down all of the really rich and famous people you can think of Okay. And you think there's a lot of them, right? But most people find that they can come up with 10 or 15 or maybe 20, right? Mm -hmm. Just a sense of perspective. When we look at the ninth principle, our common humanity, there are approaching 8 billion people on the planet right now. And if you can only think of 15 or 20 or 30 or whatever the number is, rich and famous people, <laughs> If only rich and famous people can be successful and happy and fulfilled and have meaning in life, what's the point? The vast majority of people you will ever know will never be rich and famous. And frankly, given this list you came up with, including yourself, if that's your goal, that is a recipe, frankly, for failure and for failing to make progress. I'm just sorry for the vast majority of us, it just is. And that's usually you taking somebody else's vision for your life and trying to adopt it as your own instead of leading your own, right? Yeah, I got and caught so, in that trap. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I, I, I got caught in that trap for a while ago, yeah. There you go. And so I guess as a parting thought with that context is your life matters. You will most likely vast odds never be rich or famous so the heck what it doesn't make any difference at all your your life matters you can be happy fulfilled have a meaningful life have an accomplished life be successful as an average everyday relatively normal person at least on the surface so your life matters no matter what you've done, what you haven't done, what your education is or isn't. It makes absolutely no difference. Only thing that matters is what you do with your life today and the vision that you create for your life and what you want to be tomorrow and how you move forward and progress on that journey. Again, if you're looking for a roadmap, getting from point A to point B, as David just said, you know, more success, which, you know, means making progress towards your goals. Uh, the book is New You, Who Knew, davidredwards.com. David, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been great. We could spend a lot more time talking on this. Unfortunately, though, things, all good things come to an end uh, at some point. So I definitely appreciate you being here today and, and taking the time. Uh, for anyone listening, again, always appreciate you being here. Um, New You, Who Knew, davidredwards.com. Uh, this is Coach Brad saying thank you. And as always, I say, until next time, be well, be safe, be happy, eat ice cream. Thanks, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast. For more information, visit my website at www.com. 
trainingwithcoachbrad.com. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash be well, be safe, be happy, eat ice cream. My Instagram handle, trainingwithcoachbrad. Remember to please hit that subscribe button. And if you like what you have heard, please share this podcast with others. And if you feel up for it, feel free to leave me a review.